Hey friends, I'm curious. Has Nothing Is Wasted as a ministry had an impact on your pain to purpose story? Whether it be from the encouragement you've received from this podcast or going through the pain to purpose course or the 42 day devotional or being a part of the Nothing Is Wasted community, we want to hear how Nothing Is Wasted and the resources we have to offer have directly impacted your life. We know so many of you have seen God work through the stories you've heard on this podcast or through your local church's pain to purpose course that you've been a part of. And and we want to hear how nothing is wasted has been a part of God's healing and redemptive plan in your life. Now, I know God isn't done yet. And I know from personal experience, he is often healing us and stepping into our pain in a thousand different ways. And oftentimes he uses everything from the podcast we listen to, to the courses we sign up for, to the people in our life and more. So we want to ask you a favor. Would you share those stories with us? We would love to start collecting your experience on how we have been able to partner with you as you have partnered with God to take back your story. So do us a massive favor. Again, share those with us. Share with us what God has done in your story through Nothing Is Wasted by doing this. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash stories. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash stories. It'll be in the show notes. It'll be right here at YouTube if you're watching YouTube. There you're going to find instructions on how to submit your story and all the details for recording the ways that God has used Nothing Is Wasted to move you from pain into a newfound healing and purpose. You can also experience all the other story submissions right there at nothingiswasted.com slash stories. So watch those, be blessed by those, and then submit your story, please. We would love to hear from you on how God is using this ministry to impact your life. We can't wait to hear what you have to say. Again, go to nothingiswasted.com slash stories. Let us know how Nothing Is Wasted has impacted your healing journey. Nothingiswasted.com slash stories. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Aubrey Sampson. And I'm Davey Blackburn, and it's so good to have you guys joining us this week, whether you're joining us on some kind of podcast app, wherever you listen to your podcast, or whether you're joining us right here on YouTube. It's really fun <laughs> like to be Like how you're to pointing point to, to people. You. It's like, hey. Hey, you're seeing <laughs> us right, We're trying now. to get used to this whole YouTube thing, you know? It's <laughs> still interesting to me that people like to watch podcasts on, on YouTube, but we're grateful for you. We really yeah, we are, are grateful for you, and it does feel like there is a little bit more of a personal connection there. So thank you for being here. We'd love to invite you to subscribe. I don't even know. Do you point here? Do you point there? Where do you, I don't you, know. We should find that out. Here, you point up, I'll you. point down. Subscribe here <laughs> on YouTube. <Right>. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, today's uh, a really good one. We have a conversation with Pastor Tim Chalice. He's a Canadian pastor. He's actually one of the first sort of Christian bloggers out there. Like oh, I really? followed him as a Christian blogger for a very long hmm. time. Yeah. Um, but part of his story is, oh, it's so sad, Davey. His son college age son just in not from covid but in the middle of covid just dropped dead playing i think oh it was gosh. playing frisbee with a group of friends um wow. and he was engaged to be married he was on his way to pastoral ministry himself oh and so that was kind of recent i mean really only about 3 years ago and tim writes a lot about wow. you know god in pain and 
loss. I mean, it's very nothing is wasted. He has a book out called Seasons of Sorrow, The Pain of Loss and the Comfort yeah. of God. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a painful story. I've had a lot of conversations recently, Aubrey, with parents who have lost adult children. Mm. And um, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I sit there and I just, I hear them and I'm like, I, man, I just don't, I just can't imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine. No, I know I've I mean, talked a lot with my father-in-law, Phil Byers. Mm. I mean, he, he, actually our conversation was the first two episodes of this podcast. So if you like mm. went back and started listening to the origins of this, you'd hear me um, talk with him about uh, losing Amanda. And, mm. you know, there's, there's still this deep, and there always is with our loss, but there's still this deep ache um, every time I'm with Phil and with yeah. Robin. And, yeah. you know, certainly they are acknowledging and seeing meaning that's happening from Amanda's death, mm. especially as we see what God's doing in this ministry and stuff. But yeah. it's just so backwards to what is quote unquote natural. Natural, right, right. That there, it is one of those, all loss kind of has this, but this especially as an element of like, come Lord Jesus soon. You know, yeah, yeah, like, it is. Make just like, all of this right. Parents are not supposed to lose their kids and yeah. then live longer than their kids. And I mean, it's yeah. just, yeah, it's so, so devastating. So conversation with Tim, I know, will will really move you. And for me, like I talked to him just a few, it might have been a month or so after my best friend Jen died. And oh, so wow. thinking even about her parents. Yeah, you you were tender you know, too. Yeah, I was really tender. So he actually ministered to me quite a bit. I took a lot of notes wow. as you we were talking. Yeah. So if, if while you're listening, God speaks to you or sparks anything to you, as always, yeah. we'd love to invite you to kind of use that to actually go to our website, nothingiswasted.com because there we have so many resources for you to partner with God to take back your story. If you're yeah. somebody walking through your own loss, we'd love to invite you again, nothingiswasted.com, uh, to check out our resources. We've got coaches, we've got uh, classes, we've got our Community Plus membership, so many things for you. So be sure to do that, and then be sure to stick around after my conversation with Tim. Davey and I will unpack it a little bit. Well, Tim Challies, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. It's so fun to have you here. Thanks for having me. I was telling you off air that this is kind of a, a melding of worlds for me because I also have a radio show in Chicago called The Common Good. And my co-host, Brian, is a massive... Davey's been on The Common Good. My co-host, Brian, is a massive Tim Challies fan, which probably sounds weird to you to know that you have fans, but we talk about your articles quite a bit. So he was jealous that I got to sit down nice. with you today. So anyway, but thanks for being here. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, glad to. Tim, for our listeners who may not be familiar with you and your story, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, I live in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, or just outside the city in the suburbs, as so many do. I'm uh, an elder slash pastor at Grace Fellowship Church. I'm married to Aileen. We're coming up on our 25th wedding anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary. And uh, yeah, coming up this summer. We're looking nice. forward to that. And uh, Lord blessed us with three children. Michaela is 16 years old and uh, just finishing up high school on her way to college wow. in August. Abby is uh, down at college. She's uh, in her, let's say, junior okay. year. And she's married to Nathan. Okay. 
And then the Lord blessed us with Nick, who is waiting for me in heaven. And Nick, of course, we're going to talk about, I do have to ask you a question about your daughter who's 16. Is that, this is going to sound super like United States of America question. Is 16 a normal age to be graduating from high school in Canada or is she just super smart or both? (laughs) She's, she's. Uh, her father's child, and she's just ready to get I on with see, life. I see. I see. So she's she's almost seventeen. Okay. She'll be going off to to college at seventeen, okay. which is on the lower yeah. end. But uh, yeah, she's just ready to get moving. She's doing well in high school and can handle. Okay, the load. gotcha. So she's, she's All ready right. To go. Well, good job. Good job, Dad, for giving her that inheritance. <laughs> Um, so Tim, I know a little bit about your story because I do follow your blog, but, um, I know not all of our listeners are familiar with you. You, a sudden tragic loss of your son, Nick. So we'll just dive right in. If you don't mind, can you tell us, um, I mean, first of all, just what happened and then those first few weeks of that initial shock, like how did you make it? Sure, yeah. So uh, Nick was a student at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and Boys College, which are twin institutions in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And so he was a student there. Um, He was in, I guess, his third year down there, newly engaged to a lovely young lady named Rin. Mm -hmm. And uh, they and a bunch of their friends were just off at a park playing soccer or a game like that. And I just see very suddenly collapsed and uh, nobody was able to revive Mm. him. So the students tried and a doctor happened to be walking by and tried and paramedics Mm. and no one was able to revive him. So uh, we just got the news. We were at home in Canada, got the news that he was gone. And um, this was, of course, peak pandemic. The borders between Mm. Canada and the U.S. were largely closed. It was very difficult to get through, etc. So a very difficult time to sort of contextually and then obviously a very difficult time emotionally yeah. for us as a family. Yeah. Um, so that sense of him being so far away and you being here, were you and your wife able to get to the States or how, how did some of those details play out? Yeah, we were able to get down, thankfully. Um, it was very strange at the time. You, you remember the mm-hmm. COVID restrictions, how a lot of them didn't really make sense. So one of the yeah. strange rules at the time was that you could not drive across the border between Canada and the U.S., but you could fly across the border. Yeah, Why? Yes. So we were able okay. to find a flight oh. that would take us down. And so we were able mm. to be there. We actually got there late that mm. evening. Um or I guess very early mm. the next morning. And because uh, our daughter was there, she had witnessed the whole thing. Uh, Abby was there for the whole thing. And so we needed to go down Ugh. and be with her, especially. How old was Abby when that happened? I guess she was 18 yeah. at the time. Yeah. So, Tim, obviously we all know there are different losses. I've experienced a loss of a family member that was tragic and quick. And then I've experienced recently, my best friend died from breast cancer and I got to say goodbye to her, which don't think I realized the gift of being able to say goodbye to someone and how like sacred and special that is. Obviously with Nick, there was, that was so unexpected that that was stolen from you and your wife and your daughters. What, what was, I mean, I know it's probably hard to put words to, but what was kind of the unexpected nature of that grief like for you? Well, yeah, certainly this came out of nowhere. We had no inkling that this could happen. Um, We had no, there's no warning. There is no medical history. Mm -hmm. There was just no reason to think that his heart would suddenly stop. And even afterward, um, we've had genetic testing done, et cetera. There doesn't seem to be any, any specific cause or reason that anyone's been able to pin down other than, you know, your heart beats and you just assume it'll keep going. And then 
for all of us at some point it, it mm. stops and it just happened to be much younger mm. for him. So, um, yeah, it was extremely unexpected. And uh, again, not even something that would really have entered into our, yeah. our minds. And no, we never got to say goodbye to Nick, which is a hard yeah. thing. Um, the one thing we found over time is death is just plain tragic. Yeah. So comparing yeah. one to the other mm. or, you know, there's saying goodbye must be there's beauty to it, but there's also yeah, sorrow to it. Yeah. And maybe when you compare, there's no there's no better or so worse true. way. It's just, you know, we're told to live with an awareness of death. We know of our own mortality. And so mm. we, um, one way or another, we have to say sorrowful farewells. Oh, so true. It is just, it is just tragic no matter how it happens. Um, Tim, yeah. you're obviously pastor, church leader in the middle of this. What do you say to somebody who experiences such a drastic, unexpected loss. Yeah, all, all we knew to do was to turn to the yeah. Lord and to to say either everything we've ever believed about God mm-hmm. is true in this moment and God is still good, God is still in control of this world, God still loves us, all those things, or just throw it right. all out and live by a whole different set yep. of rules. And so, um, and many people do, you know, it's one of the strange realities is that two people can experience Mm -hmm. the exact same event and one of them dives deeper into their relationship Mm -hmm. with the Lord and others throw them out altogether. And uh, by God's grace, we we were just able to bear down into our relationship with him and to continue to praise his name and um, to bless him in our our loss, even as we had and all the the good things that he had blessed us with. So, um, yeah, I would say to somebody that If you can bow the knee to the Lord, if you can submit to his providence, Mm. um, you're well on your way then to accepting this as God's Mm. right. God has the right to take us out of this world just as he has the right to bring us into this world. And so admitting his sovereignty, admitting his right to rule over this world, I think really is a a key to coming to terms and coming to peace with our losses. I do think it's interesting how how grief for a loss can, it is such a watershed moment and you're right. I feel like people go, one way or the other. There's not a lot of just hanging in there. It's like, I am either diving deep into this intimacy and these beliefs about God, or I'm, oh, it was all, everything's a happy accident. So it is strange to me how it's such a, like a dividing line in some ways. Do you feel like you're, I'm trying to think of how to ask this. Um, Were you, were you prepared in it? Like sometimes I feel like training for like staying in suffering happens long before the moment of the tragedy. Do you feel like you had just enough? What gave you the resolve? And I know the answer is the Holy Spirit, but you know, really, like, what gave you the resolve to say, "Oh, we're going to keep worshiping. Like, we are not going to walk away from the God who's been faithful to us." Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, you see God's providence preparing you for events. Mm-hmm. I think, and so it's probably not mere coincidence that our pastor had just finished preaching verse by verse through the book of Job wow. right before we came mm-hmm. to our loss mm-hmm. where you think, okay, that through through God's sovereignty, through his mm-hmm. providence, we had been focusing on God's sovereignty in all things, including in matters of death. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're going to live out the lesson of Job, it's at the end, you have no right to demand answers yeah. from God. You just say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed, Blessed be the be name, the name of, the of the Lord. Lord. And 
And God never gives Job the answers Job wanted. He just points to himself and says, you're just going to have to trust me. Look how big and great and glorious I am. And that's the end of the story. And then Job submits to the Lord and uh, and that's the end Mm. of it. So, um, you know, so that had happened. And just even in conversations with my wife, I'd expressed a few times, you know, the the Bible calls us to to sorrows in this life. And I would say, you and I haven't experienced sorrows. So I think we need nothing substantial anyway. So I think we need to be preparing ourselves for what the Bible says will come upon us. And how do you prepare for sorrows, but to to understand and delight in the character of God, to just say, this is who God is. And the more we come to know God, the more we come to love Him and trust Mm. Him. And so just making this long study of who God is, how does he act in this mm. world? I think that's the key to to overcoming our losses with our faith intact, to just really, really believe that God is sovereign oh, and good. God. Did you your wife is Eileen, is that right, Tim? Aileen, 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 yep. Aileen that's pretty. Yep. Did you and Aileen have different responses? Was your you know, did you grieve uh, they say everyone grieves differently. Did you come together and say we're gonna kind of do this in the same way, or did you both have different uh, responses. No, we, I mean, in the big picture, we were united in terms of uh, both of us um, just bowing the knee yeah. to the Lord uh, the best we could um, and just really again, submitting to God's providence, submitting to his right to rule. But that said, we're very different people, very different personality types. Um, I'm a man, she's a woman, I'm a dad, she's yeah, a mom, etc. Yeah. And so um, just as we talk about love languages, I think we came to realize there are really grief languages as well. And some of those will be based on personality and some of those will be based on position, if mm-hmm. you will. And so um, I related to Nick as a father, which is very different from relating as a mother. Right. And then just uh, Aileen and Nick had a very close-knit bond yeah. um, be- between them. And then, you know, I wasn't the one who carried Nick in my yeah. body or, or nursed Nick at my breast as right. she did. And so there's just such a, a different bond between them. And so our grief was was very different. And yet we were we were united mm. in terms of saying we aren't going to rebel against God in this. We're not yeah. going to turn on him or turn yeah. away from him. And was that an intentional choice that the two of you made, or was that even a question? You knew where we are we are putting our you know, sticking our anchor of faith in the ground no matter what? Or did you have to go, yeah. let's decide to do this? No, I think we had to decide. And even on that first night, we just sort of stood face to face and just said, we can do this. Mm. And all we meant in that was that God was equipping us and preparing us to do this, and uh, we weren't going to turn on Him. So, you know, there's not a lot of time to plan and strategize in the midst of a loss, and so you just have to take it as it comes. But I don't think either one of us was ever really tempted to rebel. You know what? I was raised in the church, raised as a Christian, and raised in you know, Presbyterian and Dutch Reformed mm-hmm. traditions, which are very theologically yeah. minded. Aileen was raised without any reference to faith, really, and, and became a, a believer in her late teen years, but immediately into a church, which also taught her the catechism, yeah. um, you know, another sound mm-hmm. doctrine. And in our minds was always something like question and answer one of the Heidelberg mm-hmm. Catechism, which asks, asks, what is your only comfort in life and death? That I'm not my own, but belong in body and soul, both in life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus yeah. Christ. So if you have something like that fixed in your mind, I mean, isn't it interesting? That's question and answer one of a theological yes. catechism meant to teach you the truths of the Christian life right out of the gate. I'm not my own. 
I belong to someone else, body and soul, Mm -hmm. life and death. So if you have those truths fixed Mm -hmm. in your mind, I think you're well on your way to being equipped to to grapple with your losses. Yeah, and I think that that key to having them fixed in your mind so that the Spirit of God bring them to mind at the moment you yes. know that yeah that's that's so good I actually have a copy of the Heidelberg Catechism I did, grew up in a very low church non-denominational but so I'm reading it now as an adult going why didn't I know this this is so good <laughs> um, yeah oh it's just so brilliant and so 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 needful for life mm-hmm. some of those the, the the main points of the catechism you know there's not all of it is as important right, right. Um, but some of it is just so so fundamental so fundamental um Tim, I'm thinking of your daughters in the midst of this. Uh, your one daughter, you said, bore witness to everything. And then here you are, you and your wife now parenting uh, daughters who are grieving, daughters who've lost a brother. Um, what was that process like? I, I guess I'm thinking of our listeners who are are in that same scenario. What was that like for the two of you, for the four of you? So, yeah, so both girls suffered in different ways. Um, Abby was present when it happened and came away quite traumatized, needed pretty significant counseling Mm -hmm. to work through some issues related to PTSD Mm. and um, really received very good care that really, really helped her through that. Um, Michaela, on the other hand, was at home with us. And so though she didn't witness it, she's had to live since then with parents who were quite traumatized in their own yeah. way. And of course, then she herself going through her own grief. So both suffer, but in very different mm. ways. Um, I, I just realized very early on, I mean, day one or day two, that if I was ever going to be a dad and a husband, I needed to be a dad and a husband now, that just because I was in the the deepest part of the, the deepest grief I'd ever known, doesn't mean I get to check out, mm. you know? It's it's when I was most broken that I was most needed, that uh, it was right here wow. that I was either going to step up and, and be dad and be husband and, and lead my family through this, or I was going to crumble and leave them yeah. on their own. And so I realized I just needed mm. to, to step up. And that doesn't mean right. faking it or anything, you know, putting on a brave face. It just means I need to get out of my own head a little mm. bit. I need to grieve but also I need to be attentive mm. to, to everyone else and really help them and pray with them and care for them. Hey guys, I wanted to share something really cool with you. We've been launching our Pain to Purpose course in churches all over the world now. And it's been amazing to see how people are finding hope and healing in the midst of their trauma through this course being offered at their local church. First of all, I just want to celebrate that. And secondly, I wanted to let you know how you can partner with us to get the course launched at your church too. I know most of you listening to this may not be a pastor or church leader, but chances are, if you're not one, you know one. What you may not know is how overwhelming it can be for pastors to walk so many people through pain and trauma in their church. In fact, most pastors that I speak with on a regular basis feel pretty ill-equipped for the task of helping people navigate the difficult stories and tragedies of their life. And many of their congregants are facing it in overwhelming numbers. What we're passionate about here, Nothing Is Wasted, is helping churches feel equipped in engaging pain and trauma, which we know will ultimately lead to transformation and healing for the people in their congregation and for their church as a whole. So if you're a pastor, I want to invite you to join me and our local church director, Ken Roberts, on a Zoom call that we hold twice a month just for pastors and church leaders. If you know a pastor, I'd love for you to get this information into their hands. 
This interactive Zoom call will give you the opportunity to hear from other pastors how the Pain to Purpose course has positively impacted their churches. And we're going to give you resources and tools that will lighten your load and the load of your church staff. And we'll show you how we'd love to help you as you're helping the people within your congregation heal. Because we're passionate about the same thing that you are. People moving through their pain and stepping into mission in their local church and in your community. If you're not a pastor, why not share this incredible opportunity with your pastor? Let your pastor know about this call so they can learn more about the ways nothing is wasted wants to partner with them in bringing hope and healing to your church. So to sign up for the next Zoom call, go to nothingiswasted.com slash pastors. And there you can choose a date to join us when it's most convenient for you. Now, if you're not a pastor, this link, nothingiswasted.com slash pastors, is an easy one to send to your local church leaders with a note about how Nothing Is Wasted Ministries has personally impacted your own healing journey. Now, as someone who has served as a pastor and as someone who has walked through unimaginable trauma, I know that a key part of revival within the body of Christ is going to come from how we as the church step into the pain and trauma of those who are hurting. Let me help you find a clear, proven path with ready-made tools and resources for your church body. Pastor, I really feel like this Zoom call is exactly what you've been looking for in serving your church more effectively in their pain. Sign up today at nothingiswasted.com slash pastors or share that link with your pastor and let's partner with God in helping others move from pain to purpose. I appreciate about you and your writing is that you do what you just said. I feel like you you write at uh, is it timchallies.com? Challies.com. Yeah. We'll just make chalice, sure we put yeah. that in our show notes. But I appreciate that as you write, you are honoring your pain, like not pretending, but I do think you are stepping up, uh both pointing to the sovereignty of God and the hope that you have in seeing your son face-to-face and kind of what you're talking about now, like if I needed to be the dad, I have to be able to show up. I feel like that's what you do on your blog. The reason that I'm bringing it up is because I think it's interesting that writing is is clearly a part of your own healing process, but also the gift that you give to other people. Can you can you talk about that? Were you a writer before? Did the, did the grief bring, was it a new invitation from God in the midst of the grief? And how has that process been for you? I've just been over the last few days going back through 20 years of of writing, 20 years of blogging, mm. and realizing that in the lead up to this event, but really at this event, was where something changed in my writing. And I became less interested in issues and more interested in, you might say, encouragement wow. or something yeah. along those lines. And so I think I've always loved writing. It's always been the way I process things. But never before have I had to process anything this difficult or this emotional. Um, and so I, I took to writing as my means of of working it through. Um, and it, it really changed me in terms of what I what I give attention to or what I really find myself drawn to or honestly, even what I really mm. care about. And I think I realized some of the things I cared mm. about before just aren't that consequential compared to mm. the matters of of life and death. And, um, you know, those things matter to, they, they, I don't want to say those yeah, things don't matter at do. all, 
but I think I just felt the Lord redirecting me in my writing um, to be able to look, if God is sovereign, he, he arranged this for a yeah. purpose and he knew I was a writer when yeah. I went into this, he knew what I've given my life mm-hmm. to. And so um, I don't, I don't think I needed a voice from the sky to say, how is God directing yeah. me in this? I think I could just sense, no, I, th- I think there's a new passion in my yeah. life or a new, a new way I can minister to others with this gift God has mm-hmm. given me or with this, um, whatever it is that God has mm-hmm. given me, even if that that gift he's given me is one of sorrow, that's something I need to turn yeah. outward in love for God and service to his people. And would you say that it also shaped your pastoring in a similar way, like changed, uh, transformed some of the ways that you were leading ministry and caring for people? Yeah, I, I've never been the week by week preaching yeah. person. So I preach on occasion, but that's never been my calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither do I have the kind of training mm-hmm. for that, that I think would equip me to do that week by week. But certainly it's, it's given me, um, it's given me much more compassion for people, not just people who are enduring this particular sorrow, you know, the sorrow yeah. of loss or the, the loss of a child, but just in general, it's, I think it's made me more compassionate, more willing to, um, just bear with people in their griefs and to understand mm. that, you know, you can look at it at your church. You have no idea who's carrying what sorrows. Sure. You have no idea how burdened people are coming uh, into church week yeah. by week, what they're bringing out of a week or a lifetime in this world. And so I think it's given me just a new perspective on mm. that. And that really, even in our preaching, we we need to confront people with the truths of the word. We also need to encourage yeah. them with the truths yeah. of the world, with the word. We don't need to be badgering mm. people we need to be loving and comforting mm. people because this life is yeah. hard and none of us get through unscathed, it unscathed right. and without deep sorrows. Mm. Um, Tim, one of the things that I have processed in my own experiences of grief is, you know, when you lose the person, which are also losing is sort of what you thought the future was going to be. And I just thinking about Nick, you saying that he's engaged to Rin, he's on his way to pastoral ministry. It sounds like based on where he was studying like this, he's got a life in front of him, at least according to what we know about, or we think we know mm-hmm. about life, right? Um, you know, what was that like as you, as you and your wife process not just the loss of your precious, precious son, but also like the dreams that he had or even the dreams that you had for him as a parent? Mm-hmm. So I think what we had to do or what I had to do there was to realize that anything that went beyond November 3rd, 2020 was just a figment Mm, of my imagination. Nick didn't lose out on anything. God had numbered Nick's days and it just so happened they ended on November 3rd, 2020. And so anything that I had imagined, anything any of us had imagined beyond that was was completely irrelevant. It never existed. And so Nick hasn't missed out on anything. He's not missed out on any essential life experience. He's not missed out on anything. He got to go to heaven when he was young. He got to go to heaven before he suffered deeply. He got to go to heaven. Um, You know, he escaped so many of life's pains and sorrows. And Mm. um, that was just... That was just God's will. Mm. And again, anything else, anything beyond that was just a, a fabrication that never existed. Tim, this is a powerful perspective. Like I don't, hearing you say this is so profound 
that I know you're not saying it to be profound, but I, I almost want you to say it one more time. Like what you just said, because I do think we spend so much time in our grief thinking over the would have, could have, should have, these counterfactuals, right? Like, oh, this was missing. This was missing. This was, mi-. the, they didn't get to get married. They didn't get to see their kids get married. They didn't get to, and, but what you're saying is those things didn't even exist. Like in God's sovereign, in God's perfect sovereignty and perfect will, Nick's days were exactly what they were supposed to be. And 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 yeah. that is such a um that's a powerful posture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And it certainly brought me comfort um, because then I'm not living in the the what ifs yeah. or the what it could have should have type world because those those never existed. Yeah. And that was really, you know, of course, I, I don't want to yeah. I don't want right, to be silly about right. this. God says you're gonna have, you know, your your 80 years yeah. or whatever it is, yeah. you know, and and that's fine. So we understand that's a yes. normal yes. human lifespan, yes. and that's fine. But we also understand that God numbers mm. our days. And so um we're not promised a certain number mm. of them. What we are promised is that God is sovereign and that God's got a plan and that God is good, that fundamentally God is good. God can't not yeah. be good. He's just always good in his every decision, his every yeah. action. And so that goodness was somehow manifested in taking mm. Nick at the age of 20 instead of the age 80. of 80, as I might have preferred. Mm-hmm. And so what am I going to do? Am I going to say that God is not good or indicate somewhere in my heart or my demeanor that God's not mm. good? No, he's He's good and he has good plans and purposes. Mm. And, you know, when we come to, to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't just entrust to him our salvation, right? We entrust to him everything. Mm. And we say, all of this life, mm. whatever you call me to do, I'm going to trust you with yeah. it. And that would include the span of our own lives or even the lives of our spouse, children, wow. other people we love so yeah. dearly. Um, I know you write a lot in your book, Seasons of Sorrow, about the comfort of God. How did the comfort of God meet you? How has we continued much, to meet you? Yeah, yeah, we, we very much... Um, experienced that and we, we we found that God was true to his every promise. And so God promises in the word that he will bring us comfort, that he's not going to abandon or forsake yeah. us. And we we found that absolutely true. Um really God comforted us by his word, yeah. by his spirit, yeah. by his people, yeah. um, which is and and to some degree by by his providence mm-hmm. as well, in the sense of just circumstances happening. And yeah. so, you know, by the word, we we read the Bible, we leaned on the Bible, we chose to believe all those promises and just say, those things are true. We're going to receive them as comforting um, through the Holy Spirit, of course, ministering those truths within mm-hmm. through people. You know, I don't, I don't expect God's going to boom from the skies in an audible voice, but why wouldn't he send his people to speak his yeah. truths to us? And then just through providence, through circumstances that happened, mm. you know, twice going to the cemetery on a really, really bad day. And it just so happened there were people there who knew me and could pray with me and Aww. comfort me in a barren, stark cemetery. Mm. But there were people who could minister, just those yeah. sorts of things. And um, so in so many different ways, God God reached yeah. out with his comfort. I, lo- I love thinking about that, the way that God is coming towards us. And sometimes we don't recognize it, but when we do, it sure is, it sure is helpful for our, our sometimes weak faith. <laughs> okay, God, thank you. I needed that. I needed that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tim, I want to go back to something you said about the people of God. What 
Were there certain people that helped you in your grief, um, either through just the way they supported you or through learning from them? Like, were there certain, how did people come around you and encourage you, I guess is the question, whether it was through their sermons, through their, through reading or actual humans in your life that were surrounding you? Yeah, I mean, there was some of all of it. And so the, our church did a wonderful job supporting us, remembering this was during the era of lockdowns I and other things. And when, when we got back from the United States, we had to quarantine, nobody allowed on our property or us leaving for mm. two weeks. So all that, all that stuff aside, our church did the best they could to care for us. Our neighbors, not Christian neighbors, but just neighbors, did a wonderful job of reaching out to us and supporting mm. us and caring for us, just mostly in very physical ways, just bringing us food yeah. and things like that. Um, and then there were, you know, lots of strangers reached out as well. Uh, there's still something about cards, you know, people taking the time yeah. to write something out and send it along versus, you know, text message or something else, which may be meaningful, mm -hmm. but doesn't carry the same same yeah. weight. And then books. I found such such lovely mentors through books, just people who could who could speak to me, uh, who had been mm. where, where I was, who had endured that loss or a very similar one, and had recorded their experiences, many of them from hundreds of years yeah. ago, but still Christian brothers and sisters who had, who had been there. And I, I should say as well that people who had lost a child, there was one couple especially that uh, had lost a child many years before that a mutual friend set us up and we went out with wow. them. and. Uh, sort of went for walks with them and they ministered mm. to us. And then another couple in the area who lost a child exactly one month after us, just sort of going out with them mm. and um, just being united in our grief mm. and comforting one another was was very powerful. So the, the more human the connections, the better they yeah. were. You know, the more of us that was present yeah. was those were the most powerful and helpful connections. For our for our listeners who may be wondering how to walk beside someone that they know who who've lost a child, I know you can't be like do X Y Z and everything's okay. But do you have just any kind of general thoughts on what's the best way to support somebody in your situation or in something similar? I think the first thing is to understand that it can be completely incapacitating to lose a child. It's just such a deep, heavy, overwhelming loss that they may not be able to function in normal ways. Yeah. So trying to help them with things like um, getting kids to school or making food yeah. or running errands, just you have to assume that they've been completely overwhelmed by this and just can't function. Yeah. Um bringing hot meals at dinner time or, you know, Uber Eats gift cards yeah. or something, I think is just a very easy or not easy, but helpful, meaningful way to mm, help people. Good. Um, praying for people and really praying for people. Um, you know, I think we, like so many others could say, we just, we felt upheld by prayer. We knew wow. people were praying wow. for us and we just, I don't know how we knew, but yeah. we knew, you know, it was just, uh, it was just so clear. And then, um, I think if you're a close friend, there's a special ministry of just telling people something like, you can always talk to me mm. about this. I'm not going to give you one month and then I'm going to think, yeah. oh, I can't believe he's talking about this again. But just say, I will never grow tired of your mm. grief. I can, I will listen to it from now or 20 years, 20 years from, from, now. from now. Yeah, just talk to me that, about it. I want to be there for you. That is a special you. gift and I think a rare gift. I know not everybody can do that, but when yeah. you find those people... You you write actually about the ministry of sorrow in your book. Is that what you're talking about or is it something else? No, when I'm talking about the ministry of sorrow, I'm talking more about, you know, 
the Apostle Paul would say, he's comforting others with the comfort he's received from God. And so when we've suffered, when we've, whether we've been ill, whether we've lost a child, whether we've lost anything, you know, a job, we were comforted through it. The ministry of sorrow then be taking that sorrow outward to other people and comforting them with it. And I think that's something we've found that um, it was those people who extended that comfort to us that were especially meaningful because we really understood they knew our circumstances. But then also just believing that through this loss, God isn't accomplishing nothing. He's accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. He's, he's, He's doing something in his church. And if we can stop thinking about ourselves as individuals and think about us more as a a global church, then we understand that God's creating a a community of people Mm -hmm. where we have responsibilities toward one another. And one of those responsibilities is to extend love and care to others. Um, So when somebody's going through something that we've been through, we're especially gifted Mm -hmm. now to help them go through that, to support them. It's an interesting way to even think about our our callings or our anointings or what God has has for us to do as far as ministry that the the very place where you have experienced and of course this is so gospel right but the place where you have experienced pain and heartache would be the very place where God would want to empower you to encourage support uplift yeah. your brothers and sisters yeah. Yeah. And I think the the danger, there's always danger in the Christian life. And the danger is going too far and making that your identity, yeah. where now you're the woebegone person mm. and you know you're you're just waiting to jump mm. into every conversation and talk about your loss mm. and um, you know, or talk about your illness. And so these aren't matters of identity, these are matters of service. Oh, How can I take yeah. this providence of God that He decreed in my life? How can I turn that into serving other people, loving mm. them, helping them? Let me, let me, like, let's pull on that thread for just a minute. How do you begin to recognize, oh, this has become an identity? Yeah, uh, I guess it would be, I mean, probably if it's the first thing out of your mouth or something in every conversation, yeah. you're you're bringing it up. Yeah. And maybe also if you just don't really know who you are without mm. it, in a sense, you know, where it really is just this, this, this overwhelming need for other people to know that about mm. you. Um, our, our identity is ultimately found in the Lord Jesus Amen. Christ, you yeah. know, in our in our relationship with Him through through the gospel. That's our yeah. identity. We are in yeah. Christ. All these other things are, are peripheral mm. to that. They might be very, very meaningful, right. but they make a very poor identity. Mm. And so, um, if we're feeling hard done by that people aren't recognizing that in us, or if we feel jealous that somebody else goes through a loss, you know, people are looking at wow. that person or reading that person's book, then again, it's probably become a matter of identity wow. where we want to be that, that person. Hey, Nothing is Wasted family. Are you currently walking through a specific valley and looking for resources to help you in your pain? I think we can all attest to the fact that there is tremendous comfort in hearing from those who have walked a similar path and have found hope and healing on the other side. That's why we've created collections of resources called Curated Pathways to help you navigate your specific pain points. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place to speak to what you're experiencing right now. 
Our curated pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, masterclasses, live coaching, and everything in between. I mean, let's admit it. When you're facing a crisis, loss, or trauma, you just don't have the time, energy, or emotional bandwidth to search for or wade through all of the resources that could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways. Now, you can get a taste of what our Curated Pathways have to offer by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go to the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire curated pathway you're looking for by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted curated pathways, as well as our entire library of masterclasses, bonus episodes, live coaching, live events, replays, and more. As a Community Plus member, you'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows. Our team has been working very hard on this to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you or to friends and family that you know who are going through a tough time. We know what it's like to face pain, and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus, or get a taste of our curated pathways by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. You can find both of those links in the show notes of this episode. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story, and we're committed to giving you resources in an easy way for you to access those so that you can do just that. That is a specific temptation of grief, I think, especially in our day and age, even with social media and kind of this feeling like we all need to sort of professionalize what we're going through or brand what we're going through. And so to be mindful of that, that that might be a, that might be an idol, that might be an identity and begin to acknowledge and Mm -hmm. invite God into that. I think that's such a good pastoral word, Tim. Um, Okay. I, I mean, it's only been three years since you've lost Nick. When you said COVID, I, I was a little surprised to be honest, like, oh, that was not that long ago. Can you do you have a sense of how your fresh grief then is different than your grief now or maybe even just how you're processing it then compared to now? Grief does get easier in time, at least that's been our experience. Mm-hmm. That's not because you stop loving the person and I think yeah. that's what you fear yes. when somebody dies is that your love will yeah. diminish. In fact, the opposite is true. We tend to love those who are who are weak or love those who we pity or something. And of course we have that, that sense of love toward the one we lost. You know, we feel poor Nick. Yeah. We, we love him all the more. Our love grows. Absence makes the heart grow mm. fonder, as they say. And that's, that's certainly true. So you don't stop loving the person. On the other hand, uh, time does its work. And over time, that person becomes more associated with the past than the hmm. present. And so for the first few weeks, you might think you see that person in the crowd or you might expect the phone to ring and see their name on the screen or something like that. But over time, that that fades. And God does give us the capacity to cope with Hmm. things. And so that doesn't mean your heart is ever unbroken. It doesn't mean you you, you stop crying, Mm -hmm. at least, you know, hopefully less regularly, Mm -hmm. but there's still sad Mm -hmm. days and the the birthdays or anniversary of the death can still be very difficult. And 
family occasions, there's somebody missing, you know, there's an empty chair, all of those mm-hmm. things are still very yeah. hard. But you do learn to cope and you do learn to go on and you learn that you can go on and hopefully that you must go yeah. on because you know what? You still have other people in the world who need yeah. you. Uh, you can't become useless to your other right. children because you've lost a child. And God still has a calling yeah. upon your life. He's You're not purposeless after you lose a child or lose a spouse. Mm. You have a purpose. And much of that will be just serving God's people. Uh, as he calls us to, but now with this new reality. And so again, just turning that outward toward God's people to love and serve them. I'm so glad you said that because I do think that there's a, there can be a sense in grief that we all know. I mean, this is, this is kind of a known thing, but that you, you know, you need to move forward because you still have the life that God has given you the days in front of you, but it can feel a bit like a betrayal to, to do that. Like you're, there's a sense in which I should stay frozen in time, like my person that I lost. But the faithful call is to, yeah, of course you're going to hold the grief and the brokenheartedness and your love for them, but to go, okay, God still has a purpose for me here. And I'm going to, I'm not going to walk away from that. I'm going to, I'm keeping, I'm going to keep moving towards that, that that's actually a faithful way to grieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if God, again, we'll keep going back to God's yeah. sovereignty. If God is sovereign, then this is somehow part of his will. Yeah. He permitted this, yeah. he decreed this, however you want to understand it. God is involved even in our losses. And I'm sure what he doesn't mean for them is for them to take us out mm. of the race and just have us, you know, step aside and disappear. No, he's He's giving us something. And I think one of the most helpful things for me to to understand was that what God gave me was very, very precious. God gave a, a, a precious thing to me, which was the loss mm. of a child. He, he wouldn't do that lightly. He might let you stub your toe and it doesn't mean yeah. very much, but if he takes someone you love so much, you understand this is a very Ooh. precious, meaningful thing. And so I need to receive it as something that's meaningful to mm. the Lord. And again, just serve mm. him with it rather than uh, resenting mm. it. And, you know, I think there's, you really can become resentful. Yeah. You can um, spend your life complaining and griping about the hardship. Yeah. But all of us, I think, can look at people in our lives who who have suffered deeply, suffered perhaps far mm. worse than we have, and have maintained their joy. Uh, it hasn't caused them to become embittered right. or, again, to, to drop out right, and disappear. Right. Um, is there anything that you obviously knew and had studied and your ecclesiological tradition had prepared you, I think, to know a lot about God and suffering? Was there anything that surprised you about God and suffering or anything you learned new experiencing suffering so close? Yeah, I think the... I think that what I just said about it being precious, yeah. I don't think that would have occurred yeah. to me that God entrusts these things to us. And so we think about, you know, the parable of the talents mm-hmm. or something. And here's God giving people talents, you know, um, you know, monetary mm-hmm. um, division back then. But we think of God giving us good things, giving us lots of money. Here's something I've entrusted to you. So be a faithful steward of this money. Yeah. Or, you know, I've given you position. You're prime minister. Now take that and use it mm-hmm. well. But I hadn't ever, it hadn't ever occurred to me that those could be sorrows no. as well, that God might break your heart and give that to you and say, I want you to steward this faithfully. And yet you don't need to, do too much looking around the church to see 
lots of people who are suffering deeply and are receiving that and and treasuring yeah. it and honoring God yeah. through it. I think often of someone like Johnny Erickson mm-hmm. Tata, you know, who could have been terribly injured as she was and said, that's it, I'm done. Yeah. But what did she do? She discerned to make that her her calling from the Lord to suffer well, to suffer for his mm. sake and to just love God and mm. love his people. Imagine how impoverished the church would have been if she had made the right, other decision right. to just be despondent right. and to give up in life. But God's blessed so many of us so deeply through so her and, and people like her. That is so fascinating to me to think about stewarding sorrow and that that could be a I appreciate you said a precious gift because it's not a flippant gift. Like here's something very weighty right. that God has said, I want you to steward. And to think of that as a as a responsibility and a gift is certainly not, I don't think, our natural way of thinking, but by the grace no. of God, we can posture like that. Right. And we need to think about God as a loving, kind, gracious mm. father. If we think of him as a father who's just sort of generally angry with us and disappointed with us, we can think, well, maybe he took that mm. from me because he's upset yeah. with me. But if we understand that God is, he loves us, that through the gospel, we are fully his and there's there's no wrath toward us. There's no malice yeah. toward us. God wants nothing but the best. All things are working for good and so on. We just take all of those promises. We realize God has not done anything mean mm. or cruel or bad. God is, his heart is fully inclined mm. toward me in love. And so that, that just completely changes yeah, my posture changes toward everything. him. When I understand how he's relating to me. And then you can actually worship God in the midst of what feels like I will never be able to lift my hands and praise again. But to be able to posture, no, this is like when your image of God is distorted, you're like, I can't, no, 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 no. But when your image of God is right and remembering that he is loving and coming towards you and for you in Christ, like that that, that changes everything, Tim. That's so good. It does. And I was just thinking about this yesterday, actually, what what you just mentioned at at Nick's funeral. I just had this memory of the final song as we were singing it, my, my hands rising. Mm. And I, I didn't plan for that or anything. I just, in that moment, just had to signal to myself, I suppose that in that way that I was going Mm. to, I was still worshiping mm-hmm. God, that I still trusted him and believed mm-hmm. in him and um, knew that he was he was still inclined toward me and his goodness and mm-hmm. his kindness. Um, tell me what your thoughts about heaven now. Well, heaven's certainly become far more yeah. real to me in the sense that I'm just, I'm looking forward to it in a whole new yeah. way. And I, you know, I should have, been as eager to go to heaven before just because the Bible is so clear that it's so good and and the Lord is there and everything else. (laughs) Right. On the other hand, we I mean, this world can be pretty good too. And we don't have to pretend that it's otherwise. So there's lots that's rotten and awful in this world. And of course we, you know, just open Twitter, you'll Mm -hmm. see it all and you know that this is an awful Mm -hmm. world. But it's also a very good world and we enjoy a lot of joys and privileges and it really is delightful. And so I think it's through losses like this, the loss of our health, the loss of a child, loss of a spouse, all these sorts of things. This is what loosens our grip on this world because it is so good and there are so Mm -hmm. many joys. And so it's through these things that we, we start to look heavenward and we find our hearts more and more being pulled away from this world and being set in the world to come. So heaven is very precious and in some ways very near. It just feels so much closer, whatever that means, just 
feels so much closer. I totally understand that. And that does seem like a strange thing to say, but the more people I lose, the more I feel like that veil is so thin. And I'm like, and you do, you kind of wish like, oh, Jesus, I know just for you alone, I should be longing, but I'm excited for new creation to see my people again too. And you're right. It makes, it makes that, that realm feel closer. I, I don't know how to, I don't know what that is, but there's something there. Yeah. You know, I, I've thought of it and yeah, I've thought of it in being like Toronto, which is where so many people are immigrating to Toronto from other countries. They're they're pouring in here, hundreds of thousands of people a year. If you're back in the old country and your people one by one are immigrating to Toronto and more and more they're there mm-hmm. and you're left and your people are diminishing back yep. in the in the former yeah. country then of course you're looking for finally my paperwork's yes. been clear i'm gonna go and be with my my loved ones right. again and you'll jump on that plane and you'll land in toronto and they'll mm-hmm. be waiting they'll be celebrating mm-hmm. that's that's what we're that's what we're yeah. dealing with here right more and more of our people going to yeah. be with the lord and of course then we long yeah, to be there as well and we that's a good and natural longing yeah. we, we have to you know that's not giving up right. on life it's not right. saying i want right. to die it's saying i'm ready to die yeah. and when my time comes I'm ready to and go. And I actually think that's the grace of God because wouldn't you like using your metaphor again to go to the place where nobody really is? You know what I mean? You're not that excited, but I do think there's some kindness of God yeah. as as he takes people, they get to be there first that you have that anticipation where maybe you wouldn't have yeah. and I know that's a strange thing, but I feel like only only God could do that, right? To to take something that yeah. feels so tragic yeah. and give us hope and expectancy. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not too, I'm not going to sort of wrestle through the math yeah. of it or whatever, the formula of how much am I looking forward to yeah, seeing Jesus? Right, how much am I looking right. forward to seeing my dad and seeing Nick and those other people I love there? I'll just leave it. And it's all one so big good. thing, isn't it? It's just being yeah. there with Christ and all uh, the people redeemed such by a, him. Such a good, hopeful vision for all of us, Tim. Um, okay, let me ask you just one more thing. And I, I kind of want to just keep this open-ended for you, but obviously, you know, here at Nothing Is Wasted, we have a lot of listeners who have lost children or are walking with people who've lost children um, or, you know, many kinds of losses. But I'm I'm thinking specifically to the mom or the dad who's listening right now, who is just in the midst of that grief and tragedy. Can you offer, you've said a lot of wonderful things here, but any just kind of final pastoral word over them and for them? Yeah, I guess I would say first, you can do this. You just have to believe that God equips you even for for grievous losses. He's not, he doesn't abandon you in your losses. You you do have purposes in your losses and God will, God will be with Mm -hmm. you. And then to just as much as you can, just look to the character of God, see him as he reveals himself in the pages of scripture, which is a God who absolutely loves you, God who's committed to you, a God who is, uh, his heart is inclined toward you, as I said before, a God who is truly um, faithful and worthy of your trust. And so, um, this eventually, to be able to get to that point where you bow the knee and you say, this may not have been what I wanted, (laughs) this may not have been my will, but it's God's will, so I'll accept Mm. it as good, I will trust you with it, and I will I will honor you mm. in it. I think that that's the point of acceptance, mm. where um, it really transforms it transforms us and our relationship to our grief. That's 
so good. I will accept it as good. Oh, because God is good. Tim, thanks so much for being here with us. And I, I, you poured out your heart and you said such wonderful things about the sovereignty of God, I think encouraged all of our listeners, even me. So thank you so much for being here today. You're very welcome. Aubrey. So strong, right? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, there, a lot of stuff he was saying, I, I think I told you before I was taking notes. I was really like the conviction of Tim Chelly's strength of uh, uh, faith. Yeah. Yeah. The strength of his faith in right. the face of loss and him and his wife just deciding like, yeah. we will trust God in this really, really a powerful witness. Yes to their faithfulness and to their yeah. desire to glory and honor God through this difficult, sure. difficult thing. You see that a lot of times in people who have this in this rich foundation of faith prior mm. to walking through some massive yeah. tragedy in their life, even like pastors and preachers who are teaching people and, and shepherding people through pain, mm -hmm. and then they experience something in their life. I mean, I, this was my experience. It was like, yeah. here I am preaching on forgiveness preaching on God being God still in the storms of your life and then confronted by a situation, you know, that upended my own life and going, do I really believe this? Yeah, right. Do I really right. believe this. And those are moments where your your faith can be shaken or, or you know, it can shake your faith or shape your faith. Yeah. And and to hear him as a, that resolve to say, mm -hmm. like, I know Right, that God is sovereign over all. Of I this. won't let this shake my faith. I won't let this shake my faith, and, like, my faith. Mm -hmm. and he, I don't understand it. Right, right, and, and that's okay. I think we, I think it's okay for us not to understand this. You know, like there's so much yeah. of this that we're not gonna understand on this side of eternity. Yeah, and we can we can hold that mystery and not, yeah, let our faith be shaken. And I, I remember getting to Ooh. a place in my grief journey, you know, very much like Tim, where. I had to just trust in the sovereignty of God. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, coming across a, again the the verse that says that God knows the number of our days, and realizing, yeah. like, although I was dreaming of Amanda growing to be eighty eight years old and us yeah. having a great grandma, yeah, yeah, and like us, you know, but that mm -hmm. wasn't that wasn't what was going to happen. Yeah, and and yeah. that it was oddly comforting. I don't know, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah, like even though so I was grieving the <laughs> loss of that, it was oddly comforting to go. This mm. is what it was supposed to be, or this was what mm. it was, you know. And wrestling through that and going, mm. it, it okay. God knows the number mm. of her days. She was going to live to be twenty eight. Yeah, yeah, and and then you know then you start to begin to wrestle through even deeper questions of theology within all of that. Well, right. Because right? then you go, okay, if God knew or God ordained or God planned for her to live to 28 or God allowed this thing to happen right. at age 28, you kind of go, what does that say about God? Like, yes. how could, why did, right. what about God says that this is good and right and just and beautiful and honorable and all the things we assume God is? I mean, you know, it. it right. it's a very um, real deep it's a yes part of what it means to be a christian and face grief and pain it really is it's a deep wrestling because you go it's the odyssey okay yeah god how does god's character line up with this evil thing that has happened in my life yeah you know yeah. like death was never i don't believe death was ever a part of god's original plan it wasn't mm -mm. right we see mm -mm. that in the garden however there wasn't yeah. a there was um 
an allowance for yeah. the ability for this whole thing to be fragmented. Ugh. And so there was, a, I mean, and that had to be theologically, that had to be part of the, part of the plan and how God set up the garden mm-hmm. because there had to be some reciprocity mm-hmm. with relationship. Yeah. Right? And so then you start to like, I mean, it just gets really... It does. It, like so you, you start asking like, the question, uh-huh. to, where does it blend in with God ordained or caused this to happen? Yeah. And yeah. where does it, where is it just God allowed it to happen? Yeah. And you see so many different instances in scripture that can prop up both sides of those things. Yeah. Right? You see Satan come to Job and ask... Mm-hmm. And God even volunteering Job, going, have you considered mm-hmm. my servant Job? Mm-hmm. And then putting a leash on Satan and going, Hol-, but this is the- You can right? only go this far. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got like the other instance where like J- Jesus comes up on Lazarus and, and, he, and everybody's weeping and he starts weeping, knowing he's yeah. about to resurrect Lazarus. Right. And all, all things point to the fact that he's weeping because this was not supposed to be- part of the plan. Like there was not supposed to be pain and suffering. Right. So where do those things intersect and where do they cross of like God's ordaining and God's allowing? It's a wild question. Like does, does God, I mean, it's kind of an age old question. Does God, does God cause cancer, car Mm -hmm. wrecks, early Mm -hmm. deaths? Does God Mm -hmm. cause that? Did God say, I'm going to make that happen? Right. Or like you said, does God allow? Right. And I don't, I mean, it's so hard because I think you're right. It's not a, we don't know. And we see different instances in scripture of both. And there are certain camps that feel very strongly about one and certain camps that feel very strongly about others. So we have to, I think, rest in the things we know to be true about God. Right. Which, I mean, I I keep going back to our conversation we had with Beth Moore, who talked about like our language around it being worth it, the pain and the heartache being yeah. worth it. Like that's not good language, but to say God will make it matter. That's right. That's something we know to be that's true right. about God. What were you going to say? It, what's interesting you? about this, okay, we've had 270 some episodes now. Yeah. Okay? And so our listeners need to be aware of the fact that we are we have interviews and conversations with people from multiple different sides of that argument, right? Yeah, like different theological camps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're talking about, if you put a spectrum on God's, um, sovereignty and how it interacts with our participation. Mm-hmm. There's two extreme camps. So this is just informative for the listener and for the yeah. viewer of this. You have on one side, uh, the kind of reformed theology, Calvinist theology, right? That says that God ordains all things that happen. God ordains yep. it, right? He is yep. completely sovereign over all, mm-hmm. right? And I wouldn't argue with that. I also no. see on the other side of things, this, you know, where this Armenian mm-hmm. perspective that says we have some choice in this whole process. We have some participation. Yeah. There's an invitation yeah. from God, right? And I can't argue with that either. Right. And so here's where, and this is what's interesting about, about me where I find myself in this. I'm in, I'm in, I'm preaching in churches in both circles. Yeah. We have podcast guests from all over that spectrum. All, uh, right. All Not even just like left or right, but in the right. middle. On the, yeah, totally. Which, which for one tells me pain and suffering is a level playing field for all of it. We all mm. find ourselves in that space. Mm. Yeah. And I grew up Wesleyan, which is on the Arminian side Arminian of things. Arminian side, yeah. And uh, lots of emphasis in like 
even free will. Like you even say the word free will in some camps, that's taboo to even say. Right, right? it's so true. So there's yeah. like this free will, this like, you know, and so I, I actually went to a Wesleyan Bible college. So my yeah. original systematic theology was all in the Wesleyan side of things, yeah. the Arminian side of things. Then I married a Baptist preacher's daughter. <laughs> and so it kind of, sw- and I went on staff at a Southern Baptist church and it's not five point, but it was like, you know, yeah. like the TP. A more reformed. More <laughs> so we to the call other the side. TP Baptist, right? You know, and so you got the total pe- total depravity, perseverance of the saints of the tulip, right? Yeah. If you, mm-hmm. if you, I mean, if you want to really nerd out, you can go into all the tulip of the, the yes. total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement. Irresistible grace and perseverance of the saints. That's the yeah. that's the Calvinist theology. That's the five-point five Calvinist theology. Calvinist, yeah. yeah, five-point Calvinism. And I, and I also did a lot of like, I went through all of Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, mm-hmm. the free course that's on podcasts for, yeah. so I, I feel like I'm a mutt, you know, yeah. Aubrey? Yeah. And so yeah. I can- Which it, I- Go ahead. I just think- <laughs> This isn't going to sound very academic, but I also am a, like, I am formed as a mutt spiritually as well. (laughs) Uh, You know, I, Wheaton is a more reformed space. And so I would say that's where most of both Kevin and I kind of like cut our teeth theologically was in like, almost like young, restless reformed. And then they don't let women there, but, um, (laughs) and That was your rebellious side of it, right? Right, right. But then we also, we were both really exposed to like Pentecostal background, which would be a little bit, although to pay even there is like- It does does depend, yeah. Yeah. Here's the point, I think. Once we, I think it's important to have these conversations because it helps us know how to rest and move forward in our relationship with God. But I also think we also have to like, Allow God to continue to like, God is bigger than the boxes we place God in. And that doesn't mean we don't think about God. That doesn't mean we don't talk about theology. That stuff is really, really important. But especially when it comes to something as complicated as suffering and evil and God's sovereignty, like in some sense, we have to go, I am going to rest in that one, I don't have control. That's right. Two, God does. And there's mystery and I'm going to trust him. Yep. And and worship him and that right. and that's it. You know right. what I mean? Because I, otherwise, I don't know if we could put God in a box, then God would no longer be God. That's right. Yeah. To me, it seems like if you can hold up, okay, God is all powerful and He's sovereign and He's good. He's yes. a good Father. Yes. And He's extended invitations to us. Yes. Like that. To me, I'm like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. somehow it is a both and. And there are yeah so many men and women who have gone before us and and with conviction have argued both sides of it. And, yes. and we're still find ourselves from a doctrinal standpoint, having two sides and trying to and holding up our hands going like, I, we really don't know. Like right, we're going right. to get to heaven one day and God's going to be like, you guys were all wrong. You know, like, it's no, so true. no, he's going to say, okay, you were right here. You were right here. Yeah. It's both There's like this, yeah. it's so multifaceted. And so yeah. I think it's important for us to remember. I, I love the C- whole C.S. Lewis thing. God is powerful. And mm. he is good. Mm. He is all powerful and he is good. And like the full good. embodiment of being good. And so if we yeah. can rest in that, then then we can move forward in our pain, trusting That's right. that even if God ordained mm-hmm. or just allowed, mm-hmm. we can we, we can trust him. 
Yeah, we can still trust God. Mm-hmm. We can still trust God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, lots of fun stuff to talk about. Well, we have a big if, comment thread after this one. You know, people I know. Actually, we would and... we would love to hear what you have to say. You can you can uh, let us know where we're wrong or yeah. where you also have some That's of okay. these same questions. You know, I think what's it's the good. best thing ever is to just be like, you know what, I might be wrong about this. Just to say, like, you know what, might be wrong, but here's. Here's kind of where I'm landing. <laughs> yeah, here's where I'm landing right I'm now. I actually heard, you know, very reformed person. I heard Kathy Keller, the wife of Tim Keller, once say, "Hey, what we hold, we hold provisionally until mm. God shows us another way." And that's a lot of reformed people won't say that, and I wow. appreciated that. Like, wow. you hold what you hold with conviction, but you hold it until God says, "Actually, I'm going to show you something different about Man. myself." And you know. Hopefully you do that within Christian community and with yes. biblical faithfulness, yeah. not just because you made up your mind to. Yeah, All right, Davey, sure. <laughs> we want to invite our we want to invite our watchers, our viewers, Is this you our listeners. Out of this conversation because you're really yeah. uncomfortable right now. With. No, no, no. I actually love it, but I feel like we could talk about it for an you're hour. You're so, right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, no, I am definitely not uncomfortable. But if you like these conversations, or if God spoke to you, or if you have more questions, we do want to invite you. To go to our website, nothingiswasted.com. Davey, yeah. tell the people what they'll find oh, at nothingiswasted.com. I mean, you're going to find our signature course, Pain to Purpose. You're going to find other courses that we have, you know, Community Plus uh, membership right there. We're, you're going to find our community where you can interact with other people who have yeah. experienced or are experiencing the same kind of uh, life situation that you're experiencing. Our coaches, um, we've got a lot of great content that's really mm-hmm. inspiring, good resources, curated pathways, which will help you get started down a particular pain point, whether it's like child loss or sexual betrayal, or you know, if you want to cut through the weeds yeah. of all of the different pieces of content and just kind of go down one particular topic, that's in our curated pathway. So there's all kinds of things that you can find there at nothingiswasted.com. And so we want to just invite you to step over there. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story, no matter what that's you've right. gone through. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thank you for providing that music. And uh, you can go and download his music anywhere. Music can be downloaded and streamed. You can follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. You can follow me at Davey Blackburn. You can follow Aubrey at Obstamp. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we'd love for you to subscribe to this channel. And then if you're just listening to this on Apple Podcasts, go to the podcast app, leave us a review. And um, share with us how this is impacting you. That really encourages us. We'd love to invite you to do that. Next week, Aubrey, we have actually very few people come back on the podcast. We don't have those many, very, very many repeat conversations. Like return guests. Yeah, return yeah. guests. We don't have that often. This is one of those rare occasions where we have Erica Anderson coming back on. She was an early guest of the Nothing Is Way. I actually I remember. I think I knew this was a return guest. Oh, yeah. That's so fun. Like, I remember interviewing her in our old church offices when we first started no the podcast. Way. And she is, um, she's given us a little bit of an update on the journey because she's also uh, written some more resources too. How cool. Journey. So it's a, this is a great one. You're going to want to, you're not going to miss this conversation. It's going to be, it's going to be really helpful. So uh, let's go ahead and take a listen to uh, a short clip of my conversation with Erica Anderson. You know, one of the reasons I wrote the book is because I wanted people who maybe have had a bad experience or one they didn't like or were hurt in the past, that they could envision a different kind of church future for themselves. Yeah. Um, because we we know every, you know, that's one thing I love is that there are so many churches and each of them are different and unique. Um, they each have their own experience, the way they worship, the way um, they go about things. They all, they look different, different, they're big and small and all these different things. 
things. And so I think we have a lot of freedom in choosing how we engage with a church community. Um, and so, you know, but but one of the most prevalent things you've heard, I've heard, we've all heard, like, I don't need to go to church to have a relationship with God. Um, I don't need church. Like, I've been hurt by that. People are hypocrites. Those are many of the things that we've heard. Um, but the reality is, I mean, not to get too far into that side of things right now, is that like um, any community that you're a part of, you are probably going to be hurt by people. Right, and right. so that's that's something to keep mm-hmm. in mind. You're probably never going to be part of a community where yeah. someone doesn't hurt you. Um, exactly right. But secondly, um, if, you're, if you were part of a community that was harmful or hurtful or even you just didn't like it, yeah. um, there's no, you don't have to go back to that specific thing. Um, but according to the statistics in terms of like, what is it that is actually giving people this better mental health and stronger community and making these societal differences on an individual level, it's, um, it's consistency and it's yeah. showing up sort of, doesn't necessarily have to be the same place, but it usually is showing up in the same place, um, communing with people, and what you will find is that um, that being with people of faith that share your faith, that share your love of God, um, it, it sort of changes the actions and behaviors and even the emotions that you're feeling because you're in the vicinity of need. You are not thinking just about yourself. You are where the Holy Spirit is working among His people because the Holy Spirit really shows up, I believe, in a really different and more, I don't want to say more powerful, but a powerful different way in when He is among a collective people.